Would you turn with me to a scripture that we've been looking at in these Friday night sessions for the last, oh, I guess three or so. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Read whatever you've got, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How many think if the Bible said don't team up with unbelievers, then what should you do? Don't team up with them. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? He just asked us a question. What's the answer? Can't. I mean, people try it, but does it work? No. How can light live with darkness? What's the answer? Can't. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How, now let's go over this again. How much does the devil and the Lord get along? What do they have in common? How much do they work together? You know there are whole denominations that believe that God and the devil work together? There's sermons preached along this line, different degrees of it, that, you know, God's using the devil and the devil's working with him and they've got some kind of working, maybe he doesn't like the devil, but they've got a working relationship. No, they do not. They have nothing in common. There is no harmony. God is our God. He's our answer. The devil is our enemy. Right? No, God's not using the devil. They're not working together. If they are, we're done. Right, we might as well give up now. If God is working with the devil, we're finished. We got no hope. No, our enemy's been defeated. He's been stripped to naught. He's been spoiled and put under our feet. And our God is the greater one, far above the enemy. And we're not scared of the devil. And we're not subject to the devil. We've been delivered to live righteous and holy, free from sin. Now he said, uh, verse 16, what union, well I didn't finish reading verse 15, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What's the answer? Okay. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? None. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk in them, among them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, in other words, what? Because of what he's just said. Because there's no communion between light and darkness and the devil and God. And because we're the temple of the living God. Come out from them. Don't try to mix. We're in the world. But we're not of the world. We're not to participate in ungodliness. Are we? There's a lot of things. We just got no business being a part of. And there are places that we got no business being. Right? There are things we got no business being involved in. Why? Because if we do, 
we'll wind up yielding to the same spirits that those folk are yielding to. And those spirits are not God. And we've been, like the writer of Hebrews says, we've been married to the Lord. Right? And we must not be unfaithful to Him. See, uh, yielding to wrong spirits and yielding to sin and pursuing ungodliness is called spiritual adultery. It's just like a wife being unfaithful to her husband. We are the bride of Christ. How many believe we should be faithful? And you know, there are, if you were in the world and lived in sin for a number of years or a long time before you got saved, then you are familiar with certain wrong spirits. Spirits of lust, greed, lying spirits, deceiving spirits. I mean, if you did all that stuff, then you yielded to these wrong spirits. And you could be saved for 10 years. And Saturday night, now I'm speaking pictorially now, but Saturday night on different occasions, it's like these wrong spirits pull up in the driveway and blow the horn. Uh, uh. Hey, remember us? Man, people are partying tonight. Ah, oh, you missing it? You remember how you used to have so much fun? Hugging a commode is not fun. <laughs> Wasting all your money and tearing up your car is not fun. Ruining your reputation and ruining your relationships, destroying your name and having no respect is not fun. Hmm? Destroying your body and ruining your finances. None of that is fun. Yet the devil tries to paint a picture of it. It's fun. And you, I don't care how long you've been saved, you still got flesh, you can be tempted. But you got to respond with a no, no, not now, not tomorrow, not ever. I'm married to the Lord. I'm through with that. I got nothing to do with you. The Lord saved me. He's forgiven me of all that. He's cleansed me from all that. And I'm not going to cheat on him. Amen. Hmm? Are you with me now? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being separate from sin. Talking about being faithful to the Lord. So he said, come out from among them and be separate. He said, separate yourselves and don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves. Now there, you know, the biggest part of our cleansing, only the blood can do. We can't cleanse ourselves from our sin. But when it comes to our lifestyle, there are things that only we can do. Right? You know, sometimes people, they're praying, oh, Lord, help me. Help me not to do that. Help me not to do that. And they go on and do it again. Do it again. A lot of times what they're trying to pray is, Lord, make me quit. He's not going to. Are you with me now? Lord, make me quit. Make me straighten up. Make me quit blowing all my money and getting in trouble. Make me quit lying. He is not going to. No. I've heard people say, I wish, I wish the Holy Ghost would just take me over and just, I wish I could just get rid of this mind and the Holy Ghost would just possess me. The Holy Ghost is not a demon. 
He's not going to possess you and control you. No, no, no. God's given us a free will. We can serve him or not. We can obey or not. We can yield to sin or not. It's up to us. Now, if you'll give him something to work with, he will help you. But you've got to give him something to work with. You've got to say, I, Lord, I purpose. I set my will. And, and then you do some things. If you're tempted by something, don't go around it. If you have to drive two blocks out of the way, don't subject yourself to unnecessary temptation. You say, well, I can't keep from watching bad stuff on TV. Let me tell you how to do it. Give your TV away. Take your power cord or something and mail it to somebody in Nebraska or Alaska or South America. I mean, say what I'm talking about. Maybe time you get it back, you'll have got some strength. I'm serious. Don't subject yourself to unnecessary time. Well, I can't stay off the Internet. Well, uh, stop your Internet service. I didn't say for the rest of your life, but, you know, till you get stronger and get a grip on some things. Did you hear me? A lot of times people don't. You know why? Because they're not serious about getting straight. They're just playing. They're just talking. You got to give the Lord something to work with. If you'll give him something to work with, he will help you marvelously. And you can get free. No such thing as somebody so bound they can't get free. No such thing. No matter what's been binding you, you can be free. You're supposed to be free. But notice what he said, let us, let who? Us Us cleanse ourselves. That's the stuff we do. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So the, the title of this series is Separate from Sin. And we've been talking about these things, and I really believe that the Lord is working in us powerfully and that people will get free from habits and from bondages and things that they thought they couldn't get free from. Freedom is going to come during the course of this series. Amen. People that have fallen again and again in the same area and they just lived in condemnation and guilt and shame are going to get free. I said they're going to get free. They're going to get strong, they're going to put it under, and they're going to quit yielding to the flesh, not just for a few days from now on. Is there power in the Word of God that can do that for us? Is there power in the Holy Spirit that can do? Yes, yes, yes. I don't care how hard it seems, I don't care how many times you've tried to stop, I don't care how long it's been that way, you need to agree with me tonight. That's a little weak. Everybody say it out loud. Yes, Yes. I can can. and I will will. be free. free. I don't care if drug habit, sex, pornography, lying, stealing, don't care what it is, what form of sin it is, uh, believe with me by faith. Just say it out loud. I will be free. I will be free. free. The word's working in me. Strength is coming in me. I'm changing. God's helping me. I will be free. So it's working. It's begun. And we're going to stay with this. The Lord says stay with it six months. We'll stay with it six months. Right? What's more important than being free and pleasing God? 
Cleanse yourself, he said. Now, um, we got into last week, if you remember, talking about what is sin. We're talking about being separate from sin, but then we're talking about what is sin. Uh, go with me again to 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John chapter 3. Can you take some more tonight? First John 3 and verse 4. 1 John 3, 4. Says, whoever commits sin does what? Transgresses. Or um, we might say violates the law. Or breaks the law. For sin is the transgression or breaking of the law. So here's a definition of sin. Sin is the transgression. Sin is transgressing or breaking or violating the law. Uh, let's take the Ten Commandments, which is part of the law. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Well, if you steal, what did you do? You broke the law. Because the law said, don't lie, don't steal. So that is sin, right? Is lying sin? Yes, it is. You know, people are confused and living in a fog and a haze, trying to think, well, you know, there's all these gray areas. And, and I don't know that it was really a lie. It was maybe a little white lie. And no, if you tried to deceive somebody, it was a lie. And it's a sin. Hmm? And a lot of people say, well, I, I need counseling. I need, you need to repent. <laughs> Man, there's so much wasted motion in counseling. I'm telling you, people talk for hours and cry and mess up, you know, three boxes of Kleenexes and nothing changes. Not all the time, but a lot of times. Just wasted most. Why? Because people are just playing. They're just yielding to their emotions and feelings. And they want somebody to feel sorry for them. And what they're really looking for is somebody that will agree with them that they can't help it. Bless your darling heart. I know you've I've tried so hard. I know you have. I know you have. But I just kind of know what's wrong. I just can't. I need something. Yeah, you do. You need to repent. I'm I'm crying. Crying's not repenting. You can feel bad and you can cry and you can feel sorry for yourself and never repent. Repent means to change. Turn from one thing to the other. Change. Until you've changed, you haven't repented. You got to get serious about it. And we got into it last week about confessing your sin. Right? First John 1 9. What did he say? Well, you're there close by. Back up and look at it again. We camped on this one for a while, talked about it. First John 1 9, what does it say? If. Let's just stop right there. If. That's conditional. Well, what if you don't? Well, then what he's talking about is not going to happen for you. If you do what? Cry and say you tried and don't know why and nobody will help you. No, no. If you will confess 
your sin. Admit it. Call sin, sin. Say, I did it. It's sin. It's wrong. I knew better. I shouldn't have. I didn't have to, but I did. Right? I did it. I'm wrong. No excuse. Are you with me now? Confess it. Admit it. Acknowledge it. (laughs) Oh, I could meddle here. People are experts at manipulation in churches. You know what I'm talking about? Man, they can turn on the tears. Turn on the tears and sob and cry and act like they don't have a clue when they know good and well. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They knew what they were doing was not right. But they want to act confused about it. Well, I... I just didn't really know. What they don't realize, they're not lying to man. They're lying to God. Standing up in God's face trying to con him. How many know you cannot con God? Don't even try. Call it what it is. Be as honest as you know how. Bear your heart. Bear your soul. When you blow it, admit it. Admit it, lay it on the line, make no excuses, and then what can happen for you? If we confess our sin, he is faithful. He'll be right there every time, and he's just to do what? To forgive us of our sins, and not just forgive us, but what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, so that by the power of the blood, you can get up from that place and wipe your eyes, and know that you're as clean before the Lord as if you'd never made the mistake. Now that's getting results. But you'll never do it, trying to con people and con God. Now, go with me, please, to the book of Hebrews, and notice something that we're already dealing with here. Hebrews, the third chapter. Everybody said out loud, I despise despise dishonesty. dishonesty. I hate hate a lie. lie. Somebody might say, boy, that's a strong word, Brother Key. We ain't supposed to hate. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to hate people. But the Bible said God hates lying. So you should hate what he hates. Say it out loud again. I hate hate lying. lying. I hate hate deception. deception. I refuse refuse to yield to it. it. Make up your mind now. Few things in life that are more despicable and more hateful to God than lying. In Hebrews... (laughs) Some folks need to say this. I'm not a liar. liar. Let's say it three times. I'm not a liar. Say it again. I'm not a liar. Say it again. I'm not a liar. Now, some folks, when you say that, the devil comes and says, yeah, you are. You're lying right now. (laughs) Because you told two big ones today. Well, that was the past. I don't care if it was 30 minutes before you came in this door. It was the past. And it doesn't have to be your future. Right? You can by the grace of God. You can be through with lying tonight. You can be a different man. You can be a different uh, woman. You can become a person of integrity. And there is no way you'll ever be a person of faith and a liar. Because how many remember Mark eleven twenty three? 
If you will say to this mountain, be removed, be thrown in the sea. And if you won't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say. If you believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. What if you know you're a liar and you don't believe in your own words? Well, you can't believe in what you say. You can't be a person of faith. So you've got to get that done in order to be a person of faith. So that when you speak and say, I call my bills paid, your word means something. Right? Sickness be gone in the name of Jesus. You can't just lie all the time and be deceptive and, and then step up and turn a switch on and become spiritual. No, you've you got to change that. Your words are precious and important. Say it one more time. I'm not a liar. I'm not a liar. Hebrews 3, are you there? The Bible said, verse 12, Hebrews 3, 12, Take heed, brethren. When the Bible says take heed, what should you do? Take Take heed. Watch out. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Notice something. We're talking about sin now. What is sin? It's violating the law. And we're going to see it maybe later on if we have time. But the law was a revelation from God in the old covenant of right and wrong. But now we don't just live as being doers of the law. We walk in love and we walk in faith and we're led by the Spirit. And how many know if you're walking in love and walking in faith and being led by the Spirit, you will not lie? Right? You can't lie in faith. You can't steal in love. Right? You can't commit adultery being led by the Spirit. Right? So if you're walking in new covenant truth in these areas, love, faith, being led, then you're going to automatically fulfill all the law. And Romans says that all the law is fulfilled in this one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Walk in love. But uh, he said, watch out so that you are not what? In verse 13, the latter part of it, hardened. How do people become hard? Hard. Man, there are people around just as hard. They're unfeeling. Conscience doesn't bother them about stuff. Man, they shoot you and walk away and party. Steal everything you got. Never think about how it made you feel or affected you. How do people become like that? Hardened. Tells you right here. Hardened through what? Through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceptive. Sin is deceitful. Well, what does that remind you of? The devil. I mean, he is the father of lies, isn't he? That's his biggest tool. That's his biggest weapon is deceiving folks. And the deception and the sin are never far apart. That's how he gets folks in sin. It's through the process of deception. What can protect us from this? You'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Right? 
God's word is true. So people who never crack a Bible, who never go to church, who never listen to the word, they are prime opportunities for the devil to deceive. Right? They don't know any truth. But the more truth you know, the more difficult it is for the devil to get you in sin. Why? Because he can't trick you. He can't deceive you. Oh, come on now. Y'all with me? This is exciting. And Jesus, in the uh, wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, what was the enemy trying to do? Well, he wants to get him to sin, doesn't he? He wants him to sin. How's he trying to get him to sin, though? Through deception, right? He's working on him to, you know, the devil never comes through the front door. You understand? He never pulls up in the driveway in a red suit with a pitchfork <laughs> and goes, I'm the devil and I'm here. Oh, no, no. He transforms himself as an angel of light. Comes in the back door. His favorite thing is that you don't even believe there is a devil. And a lot of, how I many know a lot of folk in the world that's where they are? They don't even believe there is a devil. Oh, he loves that. And he can just operate and do all kind of stuff and people blame it on God. He likes that too. But if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, we don't even have to wonder who did it. It's the destroyer. It's the devil. He did it. And he is the deceiver. He is the father of lies. Bible says when he speaks a lie, he's speaking his native tongue. He's a liar. He's full of lies. What about people who tell lies? They're acting like the devil. They're acting like he's their father. They're taking after him. That's one reason you ought to hate it. Right? The devil's not my father. He's nothing to me. I've been delivered. I've been redeemed. And I don't speak his language. I don't have his nature. I don't speak his language. I'm not like him. I'm like my father. And my father is light. And in him is no darkness at all. He is truth. There's not the shadow of turning with him. It is impossible. There's not too many things in the Bible that says it's impossible for God to do. Right? But it is impossible for God to lie. He cannot. It's impossible. So God is not in any form of falseness or deception. That all has to do with the enemy. In the garden, excuse me, not the garden, I've said that again, but in the wilderness. He's tempting Jesus, but is he trying to trick him? Think about it. Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days and nights. He's trying to get him into sin, but how's he doing it? Is he trying to trick him and deceive him? Yes, he is. He says, you know, you're hungry, right? Well, you know, make these stones into bread. What'd be wrong with that? Took him up on the pinnacle of the temple. He is the king of kings. He's supposed to rule and reign. Well, look at all this. Here's all the kingdoms of the world. Allah or to the exceeding high place. He said, I'll give it to you. But Jesus knew, not this way. Right, not this way. Well, the Bible said, you know, that his angels will bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. So throw yourself off here and prove it. But see, he knew truth, so he would come back with truth. It's also written, you'll not tempt the Lord your God. 
See, the more truth you know, the harder you are to deceive and the harder it is to get you into sin. And the devil pulled out every trick he had 40 days and 40 nights and finally just had to leave. Because he couldn't trick Jesus, couldn't get him into sin. He's my hero. How about you? And he's our example showing us how to do it. How do you do it? Oh, there'll be times that you'll be tempted. Now, um, we're here in Hebrews. Go over to the fourth chapter. Something we need to differentiate. Hebrews 4 and 14. 414. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, or as some translations say, confession. Does it matter what you say? Should it be truth and only truth? Verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, or the feeling of our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Was Jesus tempted to sin? Not just was he tempted to sin. The Bible said he was tempted in all areas, just like us. Now, people don't even like to look at that. For some reason, they think, well, oh, Jesus couldn't be tempted to lie. He couldn't be tempted to disobey God. He couldn't be tempted to pride. He was. If he wasn't tempted in those areas, he wasn't tempted in all like us. Have you ever been tempted to lie? You don't have to raise your hand and testify. Just, <laughs> huh? Have you ever been tempted? To disobey God, you've been tempted to yield to the flesh, do something you know was wrong. Then if Jesus was not tempted in those areas too, he was not tempted in all points just like you. But the Bible said he was. Now here's the thing. The reason people don't like that is because they have equated temptation with sin. They think being tempted is sinning. It is not. Come on now, some people can get free here tonight. Being tempted is not sinning. What is sinning? Sinning is yielding to the temptation. But see, the devil will try to make you feel like the lousiest thing on the planet. Because wrong thoughts came to you. Wrong feelings came to you. And part of you wanted to do it. Boy, it's quiet in this church. I'm talking about reality though, right? I mean, people dance around stuff and try to come in and act holier than thou. But no, your spirit has been recreated, but your mind is not fully renewed and your body's not been fully changed and redeemed. Your body will want to do some of the same stupid stuff the day after you got saved as it did the day before you got saved. That's why you got to keep your body under. Even the most holy saint of God, man or woman, has found at times in their mind thoughts and feelings that were not right. Hmm? But here's the thing. Here's the good news. Does that mean you've sinned? 
Does it mean you sinned because you were tempted? No. No. So do you have to feel bad? Should you feel bad and lousy? See, the devil is such a sorry cuss. I despise him. How about you? I mean, he will bring thoughts and feelings to you. He's the one that brought them. And then they come across your mind and you feel them and you go, oh man, he'll go, look at you. What a kind of Christian are you? Supposed to be a Christian. Supposed to be a man, a woman, a God. Thinking something like that. Thinking about doing, you probably ain't even saved. He's the one brought the stuff to you. And what you got to realize is, this is not mine. I don't care what I thought. I decide not to think it. I don't care how I felt. No sir, no ma'am. I'm putting my body under. I'm putting my mind under. No, I say no. Should I feel guilty because I was tempted? Here's a big question. Should Jesus feel guilty because he was tempted? No, he didn't, because he didn't sin. But was he tempted? Let me describe to you one of the strongest temptations Jesus experienced. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's why he was sweating. As it were, great drops of blood. Some people look at me, you're still not sure you believe this or not. Go to Hebrews, you're already there, 12. (laughs) I don't like that, Brother Keith. Well, I'm sorry, it's the Bible. We can't change it for you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible said verse 2. Hebrews 12 two, Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. How many believe he who has begun a good work in us? He will finish it. He will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you get through really, really bad stuff? By faith, you see what comes after. You see the victory on the other side. That's how you get through it. For consider him that endured such contradiction of what? Sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Who's he talking about that resisted unto blood, striving against sin? Jesus. He said, you hadn't gone that far. You hadn't been tempted to that point. Why was Jesus sweating blood in the garden? What was so stressful and so much pressure on him? Hear what he prayed. What was he praying? Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass. What cup? Going to the cross. If there is any way. Let this cup pass from me. It wasn't just being nailed up physically. His sinless, spotless spirit and soul was to be made sin for us with all of our sin. So much so that he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? The physical part of the cross was terrible, but that's the small part of it. 
And he was tempted not to do it. He's not operating as God. He's operating as a man. The Bible said he laid aside all his mighty weight and power and glory. Philippians said. And became like other men. Oh he was tempted. Because he knew. All he had to do. I mean when they came to get him. Don't you remember? He stood up and said who'd you come for? He said I am. And they all fell back to the ground. When they started trying to fight for him. He said don't you know I can call on legions of angels? He knew. All he had to do was speak and they couldn't touch him. Even in the middle of the cross, he knew he could call on help from God and get delivered. He knew it. What strength it took to stay. How many understand when you are suffering beyond description and you know all you got to do is open your mouth and it stops. Wouldn't you be tempted? To open your mouth and stop it. And he was. But it didn't just he didn't just wait till he got to the cross. He knew what was going to happen before he got there. And in the garden, he crucified his own flesh. Before he ever got there. That's how he could go through it. Looking past it to the joy that was out in front of him. Even though he was enduring untold, hellish things, he could see your face and mine. He could see heaven. He could see us ruling and reigning with him forever. So he said, I can take it. I can stay with it. I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm going to do the will of God. But he was so tempted not to do it. That's why he kept praying, not one time, but repeatedly, three times, if there's any way. And he resisted the temptation to sin till blood came out of him. Resisting sin. Was he tempted? He was. Is temptation sin? No. He never sinned. Can you resist sin? Can I resist sin? That's what he's saying. He said, you've never resisted to the point that blood came out of your pores. So be strong and resist. There are different degrees of temptation. You know it in your own life. There's some things that's not even a temptation to you at all. Right? you got no problem with it. Not even tempted to do it. But there's other things. That you probably yielded to before. And maybe many times. And there's the memory of that. And the experience of that. And the enemy's got something to work on. But remember your hero. Remember Jesus. I don't care what you have to do. We've already talked. It might seem radical to some other people. But forget what they think. Stay clean before your Lord. What do you mean you can't go there? What do you mean you can't be by that? Well I just don't need to be around that. And well, what if people think they're weak? Forget what they think. Think about what your Lord thinks. Do what you need to do to stay away from these kind of things and resist it. Tempted you've been and may be, but a temptation is not a sin. And there's no reason for you to feel bad and kick yourself and go around ashamed because you were tempted. Jesus was tempted. How many remember Ephesians? Be angry and what? 
So what did you sin when you got angry? No. No, not necessarily. It's possible to be very angry and not sin. Right? It's what are you going to do now? Some things ought to aggravate you. Did you hear me? They tell us we can't pray. That's we're going to take God out of stuff. That ought to aggravate us. Did you hear me? Anyway, temptation isn't sin. That ought to make some folks happy now. You ought to be glad about it. I've told this before, but a little bare repetition. It impressed me so when I I heard it years ago. Minister was talking, and he said he uh, uh, he was invited up to this skyscraper, and and they took him up. I forget what floor it was, but it was exceedingly high, and, and a little bitty rail balcony to step out of this particular room. He stepped out. I mean, little cars and people looked like they were just little ants and miniatures. And he said the thought came to him, "Why don't you just jump?" And he said, "You jump. I'm not." And when I heard that, I thought, excellent. That's excellent. Why? Because he realizes that didn't come from me. Right? That didn't come out of my spirit. That didn't come from God. That came from the enemy. And there's no reason for me to feel bad about it. And yet a lot of Christians would. They'd have gripped the rail and went, what am I thinking that for? And you just open the door wide open. Here comes another thought now from the enemy. It's because you're suicidal. No, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not suicidal. Well, what are you thinking about jumping for? I don't know. Isn't that suicidal? Yeah. How many want to tell Say, that's how it starts. And people go, well, I don't, you got a spirit of suicide? I got a spirit of suicide. Got two. No. Yeah, and see, if you meditate on that and think about that long enough, you'll become convinced. And if you do, you'll open the door and you'll become suicidal. I don't care what you feel. I don't care what kind of dumb and unclean thought comes to your mind or feeling. Realize that didn't come from me. That didn't come out of the inside of me. That came from out here. It's a temptation. No reason for me to feel bad about it. You say, you know, the devil tempts you. Well, there's that money. Why don't you just pick it up? You say, shut up. I'm not a thief. Get out of here. And there's not a reason in the world for you to feel bad about it. Some folks didn't get that. I said, there's not a reason in the world for you to feel bad and lousy because that thought came to you. You didn't sin. You were tempted. And you didn't yield to it. Right? Jesus was tempted in all points. All means all. Yet without sin. Proven you don't have to yield. You don't have to give in ever. Now we have and missed it. But we didn't have to then. And we don't have to tomorrow. We can live free. Separate from sin. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. Well, that was point one. <laughs> well, it's a good point. And <laughs> go back to Hebrews 3. 
Well, no, don't. For time's sake, go to 1 Timothy 2, and I'll just quote Hebrews 3 to you again. Go to 1 Timothy 2. Hebrews 3 that I was referring to simply said, Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest you be hardened through what? The deceitfulness of sin. Is sin deceitful? Is deception involved in sin? It is. Now, deception means to cause one to believe that a lie is true. To cause a person to believe that something that is not true is true. That's deception. Now, in 1 Timothy, you see, back to the very beginning, what happened and how it worked. Adam and Eve in the garden, what did they do that caused them to get kicked out and messed up the whole thing? They sinned. And the Lord told them, if you sin in the day you do, you'll die. And that is why death is in the earth. It's hard for us to realize because even in its fallen, cursed, dying state, the earth is beautiful. And there's so much beauty here. But that's all we've ever seen. We didn't see it in its pristine, pre-sin state. We're going to. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth without sin, the Bible says. Nothing to corrupt it, nothing to mess it up. And this time, it's going to go on for eternity like that. And you and I are going to be right in the middle of it with the king of kings, ruling and reigning with him. Aren't you glad you saved? Aren't you glad your name is in the Lamb's book of life? But you understand, all death was never part of God's original plan. I mean, the flowers were not supposed to die. Animals were not supposed to die. Grass was not supposed to die. Nothing was supposed to die. You and I were not supposed to die. 1 Corinthians says death is the enemy of God. It's the last enemy that will be put underfoot. I don't like to hear it when preachers say, you know, God took them in death. Death is the enemy of God. If they were saved, they went home to be with Jesus. But don't say he took them in death. It's unscriptural. Death is an enemy. You know it. Your body knows it. Right? Right? Even people that are lived out their whole life and in their heart they're ready to go. When death grabs a hold of their body, you want to fight it. It's not right. It's unnatural. Soon and very soon there will be no more death. Isn't that what Revelation says? No more death. No more dying. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more hospitals. No more cemeteries. No more institutions. None. Won't be one. You believe that? You believe the Bible? You have to. I'm so glad. Well, that means what's going on now is just temporary. Just for a little while. And we pass our faith test and please God and do our job. And then we get out of here. And really get into the main thing. That's going to last forever. So we can resist sin for a few days. What do you think? Can we? We can resist sin for a few days and do the will of God. Certainly we can. We don't have to deal with this flesh and all this curse and stuff forever. Just a little while. The Bible calls it a moment. Just a moment. In 1 Timothy 2, notice what he said. Verse 13. 1 Timothy 2, 13. 
Adam was first formed. Then Eve. How many realize he could have done it the other way if he'd have wanted to? Or he could have made them both at the exact same time if he'd have wanted to. But he didn't. Right? He made Adam first. Then he made Eve out of Adam. Because that's how he wanted to do it. And Adam was not deceived. Now this is talking about when they took of the forbidden fruit. And they sinned against God and they disobeyed his command. This is their sin that he's talking about. And he said Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Said out loud. Sin Sin. and and deception. Deception and sin. So they work together. Do you see that? Adam and Eve's out there messing around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many know they could have saved themselves so much problems if they'd have just said, we are not going around that tree. That tree is off limits. We don't go on the same block with that tree. What if they'd have never been hanging out there? Then they wouldn't have been where the devil could have talked to them about it. Right? That's what, you know, the writer of uh, Proverbs says about the wayward woman, the loose woman and the prostitute. He's telling his sons, he said, don't go near the door of her house. Don't go down there. Why? Because you just save yourself from being tempted. Right? And if there's something that's a temptation to you, that's why I told you, you know, before we talked about it, don't put yourself in that situation. Well, I'm tempted to drink, Brother Keith. Tempted to drink and get drunk. Well, then you stay away from anything that reminds you of drinking. And be strong about it now. Don't play with it. Be strong about it. Somebody says, well, I don't want to, you know, make people uncomfortable. Listen, you can't trust your flesh any further than you can throw it. And you know yourself. Did you hear me? You might be strong in another area, but you know this area, I've had problems. And you know, even though there might be some people you like, you know they're going to be drinking. You know they're going to be getting drunk. So you can't run with them. I said you can't run with them. You know they're going to be snorting. You know they're going to be shooting up. You know it. So if you go over there, you're just dumb. You're asking for it. You already know in your heart what's going to happen. You know it. It's happened too many times before. So what must you do? Doesn't mean you hate them. You just, you know, they're not trying to get free. You are. Right? You don't need to go their way. They need to come your way. You can still love them, but you you know yourself and you know your flesh. And you say, no, I can't come. What, you don't like us anymore? I like you fine, but I don't like what you're doing. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, what happened to you? Oh, you're holy now. Yeah. I'm perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. I'm cleansing myself from all that defiles my flesh and spirit. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, you don't have to do it. Well, just come on anyway, you know. And uh, we won't make you do it. You can just come. At least you can be around us. No. Why? Because you know your flesh. You know your flesh. You get there, you get to smelling it, you get to seeing it. What's going to happen? You're going to be doing it. Adultery. Fornication. 
Well, let's just sit on the bed here and talk about it. You know, we're not going to do anything. Oh. You remember Joseph? What did he do? Potiphar's wife, Joseph is a strapping young boy. I mean, his hormones are strong and alive, and he's a good-looking boy, and he's 17, 18 years old. Or no, not this time he's older than that, excuse me. He's a young man in his prime, and um, Potiphar's wife is looking way too good. Sashaying around there, not dressed properly. Oh, she's smelling good. And he just got to the place where he couldn't talk. What did he do? He ran right out of his clothes. She had a hold of his shirt. He ran right out of it. And didn't even look back. How many know there's time when you're tempted, it's time to run. It ain't time to talk. It ain't time to counsel or pray about it. It's time to run. 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 Your life could depend on it. I said your life could depend on it. Is sin serious? Will sin kill you? The Bible said the wages of sin is death. God didn't tell you don't sin because he wants to spoil your partying and mess up your fun. He tells you because sin will kill you. Sin will kill you. I never forget. Oh, it's been about, oh, 18 years ago now. I was ministering in healing school. Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And we had a fellow come in and he was an attorney. Very successful. I mean, he was part of a firm that was very powerful and successful. He had risen to the top of his profession, but was a social drinker and became an alcoholic. And he would drink until he would black out and be gone for days and not even know where he had been or what he had done. He was at that place. He had been in and out of these places to get dry and clean and come out drinking. He had done it I don't know how many times. He came there as a last resort. Came to God. But I tell you, he stayed with us, I think, a couple of weeks. And I remember that day we laid hands on him. He told me later. We laid hands on him, and we broke the power of that thing in Jesus' name. How many believe there's power in the name of Jesus? I don't care what's gripping a soul. He said, when we did, he told me later. He said, literally, he said, it felt like a band broke off of my head. He said, it felt like something broke off of me. He had drunk his self, uh, his fortune away. He'd come in drunk too many times to the practice, and they finally fired him. He drank until he ruined his relationship with his wife and his daughters. I mean, his life was ruined because of his drinking. And he told me, you could tell it in his face. I mean, something just, <laughs> he looked joyous and he wanted to cry and laugh at the same time. He said, it's gone. I said, I know it is. It's gone. I said, I know it too. He told me later, he said, man, I left that place. I had no desire to drink. It was gone. And he was clean. I forget how long, for a long time. And he began to get his relationship back with his wife and begin to fix things with his daughters. And he got back into the firm and he was clean and, and he was straight. But the Lord moved in a special way with him that day. I'd never forget. I don't usually do things like this. I took him by the shoulders after we had prayed. I mean, we're rejoicing. But I took him by the shoulders. And I mean, I got serious with him. I said, listen to me. Look me in the eye now. 
I said, do you remember Joseph? I said, do you remember how he was tempted to sleep with Potiphar's wife and what he did in the middle of that temptation? I said, he got up, he ran. He ran right out of his coat. He ran right out of it. I said, do not put yourself in a situation to be tempted with alcohol. I said, if it gets hot on you sometime, I said, if you have to, don't explain, run. Just run. He said, okay. I said, no, no, look at me. I said, run. Do you hear me? Run. He said, okay. I said, are you listening to me? I mean, what's strong with him? I'm not usually that way to that degree. I said, run. I said, your life could depend on it. He said, okay. Months passed. I think a couple of years passed. And then I heard a sad story. He was back in his practice. They're going for drinks to talk about cases. He's sitting there at the table looking at it. Looking at it. Of course, they keep offering him. So he thinks, well, you know, it's been a while. You know, maybe I'm clean to the point where I can handle it. Now, what is connected with sin? Deception. Deception. Is it deception for him to think he can take a drink? And be okay. It ruined his life once before. And he's hurt. See that wasn't just me talking to him. I don't do that with everybody. Who was telling him that? What did the Lord tell him? You get tempted. What do you do? Run. Don't play. Don't talk. Run. Run. He took a drink. And he took another. And another. And another. And was drunk for a week. Had a stroke. Lost the use of one part of the side of his body. Confined to a wheelchair. All it took was one more time. See the devil knows that. See when. So many times when people are in sin. In ignorance. Remember what sin is. Sin is violation of light. When people are in ignorance. Especially before you come to the Lord, people might think, well, man, I got so drunk so many times and I got so high and I drove home drunk so many times. God is merciful. Did you hear me? But don't mistake mercy and grace as a license to violate light. And so many times God spared your life because he knew how ignorant you were and he knew what you didn't know and you had people praying for you and he was merciful. But now since you've been clean and he straightened you up, the devil knows if he could just have one more shot at you, if he could just have one more. Because now you got light and you won't be protected like that. And if he can just get you to yield one more time, he can take you out. He's laying for you. Confined to a wheelchair. What should he have done? He should have run. Like the Lord told him. Is sin serious? See a lot of times you start talking about sin. And people go I won't talk about sin. Let's talk about prosperity. (laughs) How are you going to prosper in sin? When it's killing you. Killing part of you every day. No, no. Is there any sin so powerful that you can't get free? No. People, now the devil convinces people, you'll never get free from this drug. This drug owns you now. 
You serve it. You telling me that drug's bigger than God? No. You telling me God can't deliver you from that gnawing hunger? Can he? Yes, yes he can. He's done it. Oh, he's delivered people that were so strung out. He's delivered people that were so messed up at the very bottom. I mean, facing death, skin and bones, brought them right back to full health, never to use again. It's happened many, 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 many times. All things are possible to him or her that believes. If you believe he can do it, for you he can. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Get ready. We're going to pray a prayer of faith here in a few minutes. And some things are going to happen. What happened for that man that day when that band broke from around his head is going to happen to some people right here in this room. It's going to happen right now. But, let me tell you like I told him, what are you going to do after you're delivered? What are you going to do if you get tempted? What, see, just because you get delivered doesn't mean you can't be tempted anymore. What are you going to do? You're going to have to decide. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Can you run with the same people that are shooting up, no. getting drunk, no. stealing and like? Can you run with them? No. You say, well, I love them. I understand that. But you're not going to help them by staying with them. The best thing you ever did for your family and your friends was to follow God all the way. Yes. Best thing you ever did for them. Why? Because you'll have something to give them in time to come when they need it. You'll be an example of what God can do for them. You won't help them by staying in sin with them. Now sometimes, I'll just tell you, sometimes when you make the choice and you take the stand, it will seem like you're losing them. It'll feel like you've lost them. Feel like you're going this way and they're going that way and they're going to be out of your life. But listen, I've seen it. Some people in my life, it seemed that way. And it took, some of them, it took 10 years. Some of them, it took 20 years. But in time to come, it came full circle. And they came back and go, oh, God, Brother Keith, I know I cussed you and I made fun of you. But your life is good. And mine is lousy. And I don't know how to get, what do I do? And I can help them. Are you with me now? Because the truth is there. And we're able to live free. So we can help them to live free. The greatest thing you ever did, your friends, is follow God all the way. Greatest thing for your family, follow God all the way. How many are ready to believe God tonight? You might think, well, Brother Keith, I'm doing good. I don't have any gnawing habits. Well, you can believe for somebody else, right? You can use your faith. Stand up on your feet. And this is for you. If it applies to you, if not, you're doing it identifying with whoever else is standing in this tonight put your hands on your head I'm going to speak the word of faith the command in Jesus name and that gnawing craving that bondage and habit is going to be broken in your life said out loud Father God have mercy on me I believe you are mighty And nothing is too hard for you. I'm coming before you. Believing. You can set me free. And deliver me. Completely. From every habit. Every bondage. 
every sin. And I get ready to receive. In the name of Jesus, I come against every devilish habit. I come against every gnawing disease. I come against every chemical dependency. I come against every habit of lust and every bondage of sin in this place and over the internet. And I break it in Jesus' name. I break it. I break it as the messenger of God in the name of Jesus off the minds and souls and bodies of these people. Be loosed. Be free. In Jesus' name. No more. And no more. Leave them, go from them, and be gone now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.